episode 193, Simon T. Bailey. Welcome to Awaken Your Alpha. My name is Adam Lewis Walker, former athlete and teacher, now turned lifestyle and entrepreneur coach. Each week we bring you the world's most successful minds to inspire you to act on your true potential. Head over to ayalpha.com, the number one place for you to get the most out of the show. It is time to awaken your alpha. Okay, so we've got a different one this week. This was taken from an interview, some content I did for Nick Nanton is in a circle, and I've I've bent his arm and I've asked him if we I can share this with you guys because um, I think it's a great interview and you know some of the insights in terms of unlocking your unlocking your brilliance and operating at that level, not just from going from beginner to expert, but you know really going from if you're a seasoned pro and whatever it is you're doing, really taking it to you know that brilliance level. And then we're really focusing because Simon is a world-class speaker. We do we cover a lot of things, but we're focusing on that. Um, so enjoy it. This is all about brilliance. With me here as well, Nick Nanton, four-time Emmy Award-winning director. And that is quite new, the four-time, which we'll talk about. So he's going to be co-hosting this with me. Uh, so Nick, good morning. How are you? Good, man. I'm great. I'm, uh, I'm glad to have you on. I'm, uh, I'm glad to have you hosting because your accent is way more fun than mine. And uh, <laughs> we should have lots of fun. Brilliant. And the most important piece of the puzzle is Simon T. Bailey. Simon T. Bailey teaches influencers how to improve themselves and change the world. Doesn't sound bad to me. As an executive advisor, career mentor, and keynote speaker, and that's how I run into him, and he's, he is a very good speaker, which we'll talk about. He doesn't take people where they want to go. He guides them by providing strategic steps to where they need to go. He inspires through relevant stories and thought-provoking evidence-based research. His wisdom and expertise enabled an Orlando-based healthcare system to be acquired and a division of a hospitality company be ranked number one for customer service by Expedia.com. His bio goes on and on, which we're going to dig into, but that is the, from my point of view, very inspirational speaker. And I think that's one of the key reasons we've got him on here. So, I mean, firstly, Simon, are you ready to go? Silly question. I am. Let's do it. Awesome. I mean, is there anything you'd like to add to your bio or sum up or just really drive home about what it is you do, what you live for, what you're passionate about? I think uh, for the work that I do is I live to speak instead of speaking to live. And I think uh, staying focused on living to speak uh, keeps the joy and the fun and the excitement and enthusiasm in what I do. Awesome. So what do you think gives you your unique ability to be one of the top speakers because obviously there's a lot of people trying to do it you know i like to speak i'm not in the top 10 i'll put that out there now so (laughs) you bring to the party yeah i think there's three things that we focus on number one how do we understand the client's pain the customer's pain and not speak at them but connect to them by providing tangible solutions even if we borrow those solutions from other industries but, but sharing uh, solutions to them that they may not have thought of. And then I think the third thing uh, that allows us to have longevity and to do what we do is to constantly stay on the edge of where things are going. So we're constantly reading. Uh, just yesterday, I was reading something in Fast Company magazine about uh, what Fast Company is doing now and bringing together uh, thought leaders and they have a Fast Company festival. And, and so I went online to find out more about it. 
Well, what's interesting, they have this certain category where you actually have to apply and be invited for this particular tier of their festival. So anybody can kind of get in. I was like, wow, that's a very interesting idea where they've kind of created a scarcity model, right? You know, or an, and an exclusivity. So I said, wow, how could someone use that exclusivity uh, piece and use that somewhere else? So I'm constantly reading, constantly just curious and asking questions. Yeah, we, I'll add to that. I mean, we, in, in everything we do by nature, we, we add in exclusivity and scarcity because that's what people want. And also, I mean, in our model, we, we want to make sure when we're doing, you know, some of the, the collaborative books, other things like that, we want to make sure that the people we're working with are people who uh, we'd like to be associated with too. But it, it adds some built-in exclusivity and scarcity. And I will tell you that um, if you have true scarcity, um, it, makes, it makes building your business uh, really uniquely easy because pe nobody wants to get left out of the party. I mean, that's the, that's, that's the lesson right there, right? Wow. Wow. Sure. 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 The well, fear of missing out. Huh? And I like the thing you said about true scarcity, Nick, at the end of the day, when you've got a book, like there's only so many pages in the book. I know you can have like quite a chunky book, but at the end of the day, you know, a book cannot go past a book. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And, but one of the things I think that drives everybody crazy, especially, I mean, you guys have all seen it. I've seen it. We've been around speakers a long time and, and the, the truly fake false scarcity that people build in that just doesn't feel authentic at all. I, that just drives me nuts. Cause yeah, I mean, like I get it that, you want to sell better and everything, but I mean, well, let's just be honest. Let, let's find what is scarce about this. So let's find what is unique about it instead of just like make just lying. Cause I see a lot of that too. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, I can think straight away to you, exactly the sort of thing you're talking about where it's literally like run to the back of the room. There's 10 spots, 10 people go back all of a sudden. Okay. We've signed up 21 people. Yeah. <laughs> and you're just like, yeah. and, and you're going into business in theory, that person, you're just like, Hmm. This is a shaky ground to start on. Right. I love built-in scarcity because, again, it does help sell. So here's some things that I do that allows me to be authentic. Um, a lot of times we'll have like over 150 people on a call. Uh, and so I will almost always say, and we have way more people on the line than I could possibly take in this book, which is absolutely true. And so, you know, that's a line that I say, we all have to sell, we all have to present, we all have to do our thing in order to make our businesses work, but look around and figure out what, First of all, what works for you, and, and I think be honest and authentic, and there's still plenty of great sales language you can use when doing that stuff. Now, Simon, one of the things you really focus on is, is brilliance. Um, that's an amazing subject and one that I don't know anyone else who's focused on, so go for you. I mean, that's a, that's a nice niche. That's like us. We're the largest personal branding agency in the world. I, don't, I think we might be the only personal branding agency in the world, but you know, no one else focused on it. Um, tell us about how do you, how do you quantify brilliance. Uh, yeah. Tell me about that. So, so I quantify brilliance three ways. Number one, I came across some of the research work of Dr. Howard Gardner, who is professor of education at Harvard, who said that children up until the age of four are operating at the genius level. Um, when they move into their early 20s, only 10% were still operating at the genius or what I call the brilliance level now. And in their late 20s, early 30s, only 2% were still operating at the genius or brilliance level. So I looked at that and I said, wow, that's really interesting. So everybody has genius or brilliance in them, but sometimes conformity robs you of creativity. So that was the first thing I wanted to kind of like base it on what's the research out there. And the second thing, I wanted to understand what does brilliance look like every single day? How does it show up? How does it operate? And I started looking at examples of the top 1% of people in any field. What is it that they do? 
Well, they operate in their brilliance and they redefine the category. They redefine the industry. So you think of what Michael Jordan has done in basketball. You think of what Richard Branson has done as an entrepreneur. Uh, you look at some of the great scientists and breakthroughs. They, they totally redefine a category because they're operating brilliantly. And then the third thing I wanted to do, I said, okay, is it accessible to everyday people? Can everybody operate in their brilliance? And I just really started asking those questions. And so then I came across some other research from Dr. Gardner where he talks about that there are multiple intelligences. So years ago, everybody used to say, you know, if you really want to understand how to influence a person, um, what is their learning style? Uh, are they visual? Are they auditory? Are they hands-on? But when Dr. Um, Gartner came out with multiple intelligence, he said some people have linguistic intelligence. Some people have spatial intelligence. Some people have mathematical intelligence. And what I realized is that when you find your lane and your lane of brilliance, like Yo-Yo Ma, you operate in that lane and you make it happen. Nobody can do what you do. So yes, brilliance is accessible when you do what you do to the best of your ability. Love that's it. Uh, become an expert. Yeah, that's uh, that sounds like uh, one of my mentors, Dan Sullivan, says. He says, you know, they teach you uh, when you know when you're one, two, three, coming online, kind of cognitively. He says, you know, they tell you you can do anything, you can be anything. Then they strip you of all freedom at five. They beat it out of you till your <laughs> mid twenties, and then you have to work to get it back until your mid sixties, right? I mean, that's it's crazy what what we're taught to do. Exactly. My background is as a teacher for 10 years, and it is that fact that you see, as an entrepreneur, you see people thriving who maybe didn't thrive at school because generally it's got, it has, it does, it's always getting better, but generally schools focus on a very, uh, very one dimensional way of learning and, and regurgitation. And then as soon as someone pops out of there and they're, you know, potentially disheartened with apparently they're not clever or they're not going to do well because that's what can sometimes be told as soon as they're released and there there really are no barriers it's all about what can you do how can you help people how can you present yourself and and can you hustle which is a massive piece of it and they've kind of got that they've got that determination because they've been told they're not going to go too far and then they're off and it's sometimes not always but sometimes the academics who have been drilled into them you're going to be successful because you're smart sometimes cruise when they should really be hustling with their talent Right. I agree. Well, that's, I mean, isn't that what the H and ADHD stands for hustle? I mean, I, that's right. That's what I think. You know, it, uh, you know, there's a friend of mine named uh, Dr. Ned Hallowell and, and he is uh, probably the world's foremost expert on uh, childhood ADHD. And he talks of it. He has, he talks about his unwrapping a gift. And, uh, and I took my son to see him because I'm, I know you're all shocked that my son has ADHD. Um, <laughs> and, he, and he said, uh, yeah, well, and, and he, he didn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, he, he's brilliant the way he works with kids. And he said, Hey, uh, Hey, my son's name is Brock. He said, Hey Brock. Um, he goes, you know, I, I work a lot with kids like you and Brock goes, it kind of looks at him and goes, you know, you know, uh, what, how I know you're special. And he goes, how? And he goes, cause you're so handsome. And Brock just, you know, lit up. It's hilarious. <laughs> And, and he goes, you know how sometimes your brain just goes really fast? He goes, yeah. He goes, well, your brain's a race car. You got like a race car engine and, and no one around you has one of those. So we just have to make sure we give it the right fuel. And it's so funny how when you, when you take a kid like that or a kid like me or probably you guys too, you try to put us in a classroom with 30 other ducklings. I mean, it just, it just doesn't work, man. And uh, it's going to be amazing to see how, um, how the school system is able to adapt to that because now we do have so many other ways of, 
of uh, individualized learning and other things where when we were kids and even worse, when our parents were kids, you know, you, you'd get, you just get thrown out of the school system or just put in a special class because, because you couldn't think the way other people do. And now I think it's so interesting that finally some people are starting to realize that, that what was once considered a condition is truly a gift. Most of the great entrepreneurs I know are extremely ADHD. I mean, it's, you know, I would say, most of the big breakthroughs in life, other than engineering, probably, are with people who have ADHD. You might want to, might want to double check things when like, there's bridges involved. <laughs> That's funny. Let's just go for it. Implement. Let's... <laughs> the, bridge that, the bridge that became a hot air balloon. That became, yeah, exactly. Like, ah, I don't know about that. <laughs> okay. I mean, Simon, I want to get your take on how do you think, if, if someone's starting out or even they're quite advanced in this field, how do you think someone can speak better or, or anything else that you think you do really well but again is it from my point of view i saw you speak so that is just you know that is drilled into my mind that was good not good sorry that's insulting that was awesome that was legend <laughs> yeah, I, yeah i just you know, i hate when people say yeah it's good i'm like okay brilliant <laughs> that was brilliant <laughs> i think i think three things that anyone that is uh, an expert speaker writer three things that you can do in what i'm calling the brilliance age and in the brilliance age, people have a high uh, discontent with conforming to the way things have always been done. Mm -hmm. And we are seeing creativity really created by individual ingenuity, just off the charts. So what expert speakers and writers uh, and, and have to think about, number one, how can I tap into unlocking creativity in every place I go, every audience I'm writing to, speaking to, connecting to, because we are now in the creative economy, period, and we are in the creative economy. That's number one. Number two, what is the value add that I'm bringing to this creative economy, be it a white paper, uh, be it some research, be it a product? How is this going to make a bigger difference in the creative economy helping creators who realize that gone are the days where you work a job for 30 years, those jobs are gone, never to come back. Um, I'm going to become, I was in South Africa a few weeks ago, and they introduced me to this whole term called a slashy. And they, I said, what does that mean? And the guy says, I do this, I do that, I do that, slash, slash, slash. I'm a slashy. I was like, I was like it was so awesome. I was like, dude, I got to write a book about being a slashy. Because I think that's what I've done like all of my life. I've been a slashy. That, so that means something different in England as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, so we've got to have, we got to help the slashy mentality in this economy as experts, uh, writers, and speakers. And I think the third thing we have to do is think about always, why am I doing this? Am I doing it for the money or am I doing it because it's meaningful to me and the money will come? So I think if we really kind of hold those two things in tension that I'm really doing it because it's meaningful to me, I'm driving value, I'm making a difference in the world, but also I know that I'm paid what I'm worth because it's not just about the money. That's great. Hey, let me add in there too. So I just wrote a book with a, another guy you, you must know well too, Simon. I know Adam seen too, uh, Dr. Nita Cobain. Yeah. And we wrote a book. Uh, we wrote a book that I wanted to call the value equation. But that was, uh, that was too obvious for the publisher, so they made it something stupid. I don't remember what they did. <laughs> but, you know, I think the whole, the whole world revolves around an exchange of value. That's just like, and like it's end of story. So anyone out there who's looking to 
how do I get a paid speaking engagement or how do I build a speaking career? I mean, it's really one simple question. I mean, who, whose life can you make better? Who can you add value to and how can they monetize that value? How, what's that value worth to them? I mean, so if I'm going to go uh, speak uh, at a, a local uh, chamber of commerce, okay, well, so you're probably not going to get paid to speak at a chamber of commerce. However, what do you have of value to offer the people in the audience? And, and I think if, if there's, there's so many people who I get emails from who I get emails from a lot of great people, but I get emails every now and then that basically like, Nick, you owe this to me. You need to do this. You're successful. You can help me out. You should do you, 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 you. And they never once stopped to tell me what they could do for me. And I love helping people, but man, if you just would say, Hey, I could really help you do X. I've got this kid I met. Uh, I spoke at an entrepreneurship uh, incubator at, at the local university recently. And I got this kid who's uh, really fiercely, um, uh, what would I say? Um, I don't know. He, he just, he won't, he won't take no for an answer, which I love. And, uh, and he keeps saying, what can I do for you? What can I do for you? What can I do for you? And like, I'm trying to figure it out. Like it's bothering me. I haven't figured out what he could do for me yet. Now it would be much better if he came to me, at, but the university system doesn't teach you this. If he came to me and said, Hey Nick, I can help you do X, Y, and Z. And here's how it's going to make your business better. And, and he's young too. So I don't expect him to know that, but you know, that those are the things we have to answer. If we want to be compensated for the value we provide we have to number one be able to articulate that value to people and we have to be able to make sure uh, that we go to an audience and offer them a very specific uh, you know opportunity with value attached to it and if you if you do that you can you can change you can get whatever you want out of life it's 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 the Zig Ziglar quote in a different way right if you want to get anything you want to get just help other people get what they want well that's the value equation how can I do that who can I provide value to? I work with bands and musicians all the time, and they are probably the hardest people to work with because they're, uh, you know, they're, they're usually very creative, very good at one thing, at, at making music. And mm. so they'll spend all their time, energy, effort, and money, all of it, making a record. And as soon as that record's done, all they want to do is make another record. I'm like, well, you, you're not going to be able to afford to make that next record if you don't know how to sell this record. So how do we figure out how to, say, how to sell this record. And they're like, well, we can do shows, we can do, and I always try to get them to, to encourage them to like, well, how can you provide value? So are you, do you have a pretty big following in your area? Yeah, yeah, we have like maybe a thousand people come out to see us. Okay, well, maybe then there's some social value in uh, playing a high school kid's birthday party because everyone will think they're cool. I, I don't know what it is, but you've got to find that value equation no matter what business you're in. And I think so many people forget that. Yeah, yeah, totally. What value can you add if someone just approached you in that way? Just this past weekend, one of the key messages, so Damon John, I was lucky enough to meet him and stuff. Damon John, one of the key things he came up with, you can imagine, he gets pitched to just a little bit. And obviously, and he's, he's openly telling people, don't do this, do it this way. And he's still, people meet him, hello, and instantly pitch, 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 pitch. This is, this is how you can help me kind of thing. And we had uh, Nick Armsworth is now collaborating and working with him. And Damon John, the main reason he stood out, and it was this simple, if you want to get something, he introduced himself and said, I love what you're doing. I think what you're currently doing, I can improve it by X, Y, and Z, and I'd love to help you out if you want. All of yeah. a sudden, he's now working with Damon John because he went to him. He didn't pitch him, this is how you can help me, you lucky guy. He was like, I see what you're doing. I see, I see some ways I can easily improve that. You know, give me 30 days. I'd love to add some value to your business. What do you think? And that's, it's off and running now. Yeah, and there's not many people who can say no to that. You'll run into an a-hole every now and then. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> anyone, who's 
who's seriously interested in business will, I mean, they're, they're interested in that. Right. I mean, they, they, yeah, I mean, he's not an idiot and, and Damon's actually a nice guy. I mean, uh, when I met him, he kind of, we were speaking at an event together and he hung out for a couple of days and he's like, yeah, how can I help anybody here? This is great. Um, and, and you'll find most of the guys like that are, are, if they're in real business, they're looking for opportunity. And when they start believing their own hype, that's when they start failing. You know, I mean, I've, I've Mark Cuban, super great guy, Richard Branson, super great guy. I mean, all these people are authentically great people and that's how they become successful. And they of course have to have a big wall up in front of them because there is so much, there's so much noise that gets thrown at them all the time. But if you have the opportunity to meet someone like that and, and you would like the opportunity to do business with them, you have to be authentic and you have to be convincing, but you need to convince them very quickly what you could do for them. And I think that that's a, it's a great lesson. Nick Unsworth is also a solid dude with a great name. <laughs> I, I love it. I love it. So, I mean, Simon, what are your thoughts on obviously what Nick said mainly, and then obviously my, my views on it. Yeah. Three things. Number one, an open hand is always full. So when you seek to give without getting, you ultimately receive because it's not about what you can get from someone. It's about what you can give to them. I think number two is the ability to listen first, talk last. And what I mean is the person who listens the best is the person that is going to cure the opportunity and then can articulate what they're going to tee up. And then I think number three is always being ready to serve whatever it takes. Like the kid that's blowing up Nick's email and, you know, what can I do? What can I do? I think just that old school hustle to say, you know what? I know I need to be around Nick. I know there's something I need to learn from him. And hopefully this guy's going to make the mental leap, you know, and say, here's the value add. But I, but I think that ability never being afraid to ask. And, you know, even I've got a 16-year-old son, and that's something I'm really trying to stress to him is that it's just not going to happen because you're my son. You have got to make it happen. Nobody's going to give you anything. The best hand that will feed you is the one at the end of your wrist, and you got to figure it out, you know? So, uh, yeah. <laughs> nice. What, what do you think are some of the – I'm going to go more for the uh, – the expert level here. So not necessarily someone who's starting out, someone who's, because obviously there's a lot of people out there to a, who are a good level of speaking and they'll be on stage. They may be, you know, maybe paid gigs. They may be just boring. What are some of the things you still see? And you, you know, you obviously, you appreciate their message. You think they're a genuine person. They're a good speaker, but you just see certain things. You're like, Oh, if they'd have just done that or not done something, it would have made their message and their talk so much more valuable. Cause obviously you're at the top of your game. I'm sure you can't help just observing and picking things you like and maybe thinking you don't like certain things. Yeah. So one of the mistakes that I've made is that over the years, I think at times I can get a little bit too wrapped up in my story and it becomes more about the story and not delivering critical content, takeaways, action items, how to's things that people can implement uh, in their life. And so it's something after working with a coach that I learned I had to modify. Mm -hmm. So one thing I sometimes observe in speakers, they get caught up in their stuff and the person's sitting there, you have an hour of their time and they're like, dude, I'm just trying to put food on the table or I'm trying to take my business to the next level. Appreciate your story, but can you give me some actionable things that I can do for my life? And so uh, it's just something that I'm always very, very cognizant of. To, to recognize that we don't want to overdo it and get caught up in self, but how do we ensure that we're giving things that are actionable, implementable, people can do for themselves beyond uh, listening to you on stage? 
I completely agree. I, I think it's important to not forget to tell people some of your story, right? I mean, they want to know who they got to know who you are before they want to listen to you. But, but that yes, but then but getting caught up in yourself is always a a, a mistake. Let me ask you this, Simon. So this is one that's I think a really it might be hard to quantify, but I'd love to get your your input on it. There's a lot of people out there who who get good at speaking, and they might um, they might start getting you know five thousand to seventy five hundred dollars speaking gigs. What do you think it is that that takes someone from that level to twenty or twenty five or thirty thousand dollars speaking gigs? Is it is it supply and demand? I mean, is it as simple as that? Or, or what do you think it is that allows someone to, to command that, you know, five to 10 times from the typical, you know, regional speaker at $5,7500? Perceived value. And, and I'll tell you, tell you what I mean by that. I was uh, with a friend of mine a couple weeks ago doing an interview uh, for his podcast. And he and I had a conversation almost 15 years ago. We're just starting out. And I said to Dave, I said, dude, what are you charging? And he told me he was charging 5000 and I was charging 1000 And I said, man, you're not doing anything or saying anything. I'm not saying, right? And here's what he said. He said, Simon, it is all between your ears. When you cross that mental divide that you are worth more, you give more, and you provide more, and people in the audience can sense that you're coming from a place of confidence, but also you're coming from a place of substance of value that it just comes through. He's, and that day when he said it, 15 years ago, I went from 1,000 to 15,000, literally overnight. And what I discovered, there were a ton of customers at 5,000 waiting for me to get there. But I stayed in the basement of 1,000 because that was my comfort level. Now, obviously, we've gone way past that in leaps and bounds, but, but I really understood it was it, until I had the perception in myself that I was worth it, I didn't give it. Mm-hmm. One more story. So Pablo Picasso's in a restaurant. A woman sees him and says, Pablo, can you draw this for me? And sure enough, he takes out a napkin, draws it in 10 minutes. She proceeds to take the napkin from him of what he had drawn, and he said, that'll be $10,000. And she said, it only took you 10 minutes. And he said, no, it took me 50 years. So what I begin to realize is over the years, I've raised my fee value because I realized what might take a novice uh, expert speaker, writer, um, you know, years to do, and it's taken me years to figure it out. I can literally do it in 10 minutes. I've actually been speaking for 30 plus years, but everybody might look at our success and say, oh my goodness, how did it happen? It's probably happened within the last five and our fees have jumped, but it's because I know how to master the 10 minutes. It's easy to me and I know what I'm worth. I suppose, and people who don't, it's always the way, I don't think I've ever seen when you dig into it, an overnight success story. Someone who just looks in and potentially is coming from a a position of scarcity, scarcity might just think, oh, Simon's just blown up overnight. But like you said, it's the, the years before and then all of a sudden it gets that tipping point. Totally. I'll be interested from a purely logistical and I'm interested in it. <laughs> was, do you think there was customers and clients out there who literally were not looking for speakers at that 1,000, who wouldn't have considered you when you was at that 1,000 pound level, who almost could perceive value. They're literally like, right, I need a speaker. My budget, I mean, you know, we're looking at the five to 10,000, a keynote speaker. And you were under the radar because you weren't there. You know what? It is the difference between the Maserati and the Prius. Nothing against either car. They work for whoever wants them. But sometimes you have to decide, am I going to be the Maserati in my space 
or am I comfortable with the Prius? And there are some customers who want a Prius mindset, value, green friendly, but there are some that say, you know what, we want the Maserati. And the person has to decide which one are you. But if, and if you don't classify yourself as one or the other, then people don't know where, where to put you. And exactly. They, they need a box. They need a box to put you in or, or you're not going to get taken to the ball, right? Yep. <laughs> awesome. I mean, I know that there may be things Nick wants to get in wrapping up. And I'm very aware of your time, but I mean, the, again, I would say I, I know my stuff about talking speaking as it were, or talking more than speaking. <laughs> but when it comes to this, what do you think are the key differences in terms of how you approach it in the mentality and also how you structure it from a keynote talk to you know a selling from stage kind of talk? I know you're always selling yourself and your ideas and your mission, but I just wanted your thoughts on that. Yeah, I think, uh, first of all, when I think about the keynote, uh, I think about the beginning, the middle, and the end, and what are the key takeaways? So like I'm getting ready, uh, I've got presentations today, tomorrow, and Saturday. On Saturday, I'm speaking to a 1,000 uh, financial advisors from Northwestern Mutual, and this will be my second time with them, kind of on a road show. And what I clearly realized with them is what's happening in the financial world. I already know that with the market kind of being up and down, they're coming in with the mindset of, oh my goodness, on Monday morning, I'm on the phone to calm the fears of someone who's invested their life savings with me as a financial advisor. So what I think about in the keynote, how do I feel their pain and put myself in their shoes, number one? And then number two, really provide tangible solutions and things that psychologically and emotionally just puts them in a good place and gives them some things that they can work on so that they are the best for their customers. That's how I approach the keynote. As I think about selling from stage, here's what I really think about, and it goes to, back to what I said at the beginning. When I live uh, to speak, uh, instead of speaking to live, what happens is I, I move to uh, not selling, I move to connecting. And when what I'm saying connects to the pain or problem in your life, what drives you to the back of the room or causes you to go online and download whatever's being offered is because Jeffrey Gittimer used to say, people don't like to be sold anything, but they do like to buy. And they buy because that person, that communicator, he or she connects to their problem. And when, I, when you connect through your phraseology, through your languaging, and through your authenticity, I never have to tell you to buy. You will automatically buy on your own. Amen. <laughs> nice. I mean, all, we've got so much already, but is there anything that's sticking in your mind that you think, I really wanted to ask Simon about this or make sure I got this covered? No, I think what I love about these is they're just conversations with, uh, with people who are great at what they do. And, and you know, I didn't uh, intend for us to talk about uh, the value equation or, or that uh, the H in ADHD is yeah. for hustle. <laughs> but, uh, but I think we got uh, – I, I, I think what I want people to, to get out of listening to these, these uh, audios is that um, – it, whatever your brilliance is, as Simon would call it, or your unique ability, as Dan Sullivan might call it, um, you know, it is within you. Um, just listening to three normal people who have found success in their fields, I think is a super freeing and healthy thing to do so that you can understand that none of us woke up and ate, you know, radioactive cornflakes this morning. That's not how this happened. We all just, you know, that's why I love making the documentaries on people like Peter Diamandis I just finished. I mean, people want to know, like, where did this guy come from? And where he came from was just, 
an insatiable passion for what he loves, which was he wanted to go to space like so bad that he promised $10 million to the first person who could make it happen. And he didn't even have the $10 million. He had to spend the next like five years finding the $10 million, which as you guys probably know the story, it came in the form of a, you know, a golf tournament hole in one insurance is how he got it. And so it's just, that's what people like us do. We have a drive, a passion to do something, to change something about the world we're living in. And, uh, and we're going to go after it. And then we're going to find methodical ways to provide value to other people in exchange to help them get on our train. And, uh, and that's what I really want people to get out of it. And, uh, and Simon does that really well in, in his field. And it's, uh, it's a pleasure to work with him and with you, Adam. Awesome. I appreciate that. And I guess this is coming from my back because I, I can't help. I just want to ask the questions. I have certain rounds in, in my podcast. I haven't even mentioned Awaken Your Alpha. And I were, people I didn't really, I introduced you guys and I'm like, no one's going to know who I am. So. <laughs> All right, but in closing, I do see that is 101 speaking. Introduce yourself. I introduced myself to Simon and Nick, you know, so I'll, I'll make sure I add that. But in closing, Simon, is there like if it had to be a, a tangible resource or a book you like to recommend? I know obviously Nick's big into obviously publishing books and involved with books, but and if there isn't one, don't make it up. But if there is a book with someone who's really looking to get into speaking, you think this would be a good place to start or it's a good place to excel? Yeah. Wow. There's, there's so many books I can tell you. Yeah. Uh, about. <laughs> uh, but if, if there is one that I would just pick up just as a start for experts, writers, speakers, I would pick up the book called Synchronicity. Mm -hmm. It's written by Joe Jaworski. Joe Jaworski is the son of Leon Jaworski, who was special prosecutor during Watergate. Uh, Joe's a, an attorney out in the Texas area, but uh, what he talks about in synchronicity, as you know, the word synchronicity is when everything happens at once. And it really talks about the leader within. Because if you are an expert, you are a leader. If you're a writer, you're a leader. If you're a speaker, you're a leader. Somebody is following you somewhere. So you have to make sure that you have internal alignment of head, heart, and hands. And that synchronicity will add more credibility to whatever value you are bringing to the world. Nice. I'm happy for Nick to close this down a bit, but I, another thing, again, it's coming from my brain, I, I, I love a quote. It's just how I am. I'm putting it out there. Is there any quotes? I mean, there's, there's probably quotes throughout this entire interview that we could take, but is there a quote or just an ethos that you like to live your life by and that has helped you propel to literally the top of the speaking world? Wow, I would say uh, a paycheck is given to people who show up, but opportunities are given to people who work beyond what they're paid to do. Um, oh, boom. <laughs> I, I just like, I just kind of like dropped the mic. Goodbye. No? <laughs> I'm just looking, I don't want any, that's where I'll finish the interview. Like, I, 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 mic drop, he's out. My mic's attached, I can't drop it. I got to rip it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you, Nick. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Don't don't drop your iPad, Simon. That could be. <laughs> Head over to ayalpha.com. Currently, I'm doing a limited number of clarity calls each week. Again, this is coming back. I've done this for a little while, so. Now's the chance, if you've been listening to the show, feel free to book yourself in to discuss your goals and then create a path to achieve it. I'm here to help you, whether it's to give you that clarity or partner with you going into the end of 2016 to really finish off this year strong. If you're serious about taking some action, let's start it off with jumping on the phone with me.
Have a great week and I'll speak to some of you very soon.